welcome to the Oceans Church podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the kingdom of heaven into your spheres of life. Um, we are in the third week of our series, Devoted, and um, you know, I am excited for this series. Something happens when you devote yourself to God, when you go all in for God. You know, the, the Greek word for devoted actually means to be glued, to be stuck onto something. And there's something incredible that happens when you are stuck onto God, when you're like inseparable. You know, have you ever, you know, maybe in primary school you had that paste, that paste glue that you'd paint onto paper and you glue another piece of paper on it and then you try and separate it later and it's like, and it's like they don't separate. They can't come apart. And that's what God is inviting us to in our walk with God, that we would have an ir- it's iris, it, I can't say the word, inseparable connection to God, um, that we wouldn't be able to be separated, that we would be all in and devoted. And when it comes to our relationship with God, or when it comes to anything in life, God matches our level of commitment. You know, when it comes to work, if we, if we want to see big results from our work, we need to have big commitment. When it comes to our study, if we want to see great results in our study, we need to see big commitment. You know, when it comes to relationships, when, when you're dating, if you want to get something out of a relationship, then the bigger the commitment, the better the relationship is going to be. And it's the same with our relationship with God. You know, you want big results in your life. You want God's blessing poured out over your life. You want to see His favor, you know, in the different areas of your life. You want to know God with intimacy. Then it can't, like, then you need to have that big commitment. You need to have that devotion, that glue, that ir- ir- is, I can't say the word. What's the word? Inseparable. Inseparable. Thank you. I didn't write that one down in my notes. It, I can't, oh, I won't even go there. And the thing is, with relationship with God, it can't be half done. It's not something that we can have one foot in church, one foot in God camp, and one foot in the world. It's not something that we can, you know, you know, have our church time over here and then the rest of the week we're someone else. When it comes to relationship with God, you're actually designed to go all in. And a lot of the things, a lot of the blessings that you get from God only come when you go all in. And there's no better example than the Acts Church. Um, you know, there was a move of the Holy Spirit poured out on the disciples. These, these disciples were gather, gathered there and the Holy Spirit poured out upon them and they began to speak in tongues and in different languages. And all of a sudden, the people around them from different countries, different nations and different languages, they began to be able to understand these people that they shouldn't be able to understand. And so a crowd gathered. There was a, a pouring out of the Holy Spirit and a crowd gathered and, the, and Peter gets up and he tells them about Jesus. He's like, hey, you want to see this happen in your life? Then Jesus is the way to that. Jesus is the truth over your life. And and you want to see this type of blessing poured out on your life, then it takes devotion. And so 3,000 people in that message were saved. 3,000 people gave their life to God. And, and, um, And as a result, not only were they saved, but it says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. It didn't stop with their salvation. It didn't stop with them accepting God into their life, but they decided to devote themselves. And let me tell you, I don't know where you're at in your journey with God. Maybe you've, you've come to church for a bit. Maybe you've been saved. Maybe you know, you're exploring the whole thing, but you know, your relationship with God doesn't just 
end with your salvation. It doesn't just end with you deciding to follow God. It actually, God's inviting you into being fully devoted, into having his blessings poured out in that way. And so salvation isn't the end, but God is inviting us, us to devote ourselves to him. And so they made the decision to follow God with everything, to go all in, like playing poker, going all in. You don't make gains playing poker, playing it safe. You go all in if you want to see good results. And, and uh, it's the same with our relationship with God. You go all in and you see good results. And so they made the decision, I'm going to go all in. And so two weeks ago, we looked about being devoted inwardly. You know, what it looks like to be surrendered to God, to surrender our hearts to God and what comes as a result of that. And then last week, Shafe preached an awesome message on um, being devoted to each other. They were actually made for community. We're actually made to be in a church like this. This is what you're designed for. This isn't just something nice to do, but you're made to it. And, and there's a blessing that comes when we devote ourselves to each other. There's a blessing that comes. It literally says in the Bible, when you're in unity, God pours out his blessing. God commands his blessing when we're together. And so that's why it's so good that we're together. We wouldn't miss this for anything because I want God's blessing on my life. I want to, I want to see God's blessing on my life. So Shafe preached on that last week to be devoted to each other. And this week we're talking about being devoted to the vision. That's the title of the message. Come on, be devoted to the vision. Now that I have inward devotion, now that I have community and God's blessing on my life, now what? You know, what is God's blessing on my life for? What do we need to step out and achieve? It doesn't just end there, but actually God's inviting us to be devoted to the vision. And what do I mean by vision? You know, what I mean is that you're not just here by accident. You're not just here because it just happened. You just existed one day. You're not just here going through life by accident. But God, the creator of the universe, created you with a purpose in his mind, with a vision in his mind. He had an idea of what he was doing when he designed you. And so we're not just here by accident. We didn't just come into existence, but we are created for a purpose. And the Bible says this. It says in Jeremiah 1.5, it says, I knew before you were formed in the mother's womb, and before you were born, I set you apart. Like I had a purpose for you and I, I set you apart from the rest. You have a specific purpose and calling on your life. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you. God says, I know what I've got for your life. I know what I've got lined up for you. In John 15, 16, it says, I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear Fruit. That's God speaking to you. That's Jesus' word over your life, that you would go and bear fruit. What's fruit? Blessing. It's favor. It's, it's the evidence of God on your life. And so God knew what he was doing when he created you. He knew what he was doing when he designed you. He had a clear picture in his mind when he decided to make you. You're not here by accident. You didn't just exist, but you have a purpose. And the problem is that too many people go through life without knowing this. Too many people go through life without knowing their purpose. Too many people go through life without knowing that they were created for a reason. And instead of, of living in purpose, people turn to pleasure. Instead of you know, having a destination and a vision in mind, people just drift through life. You know, Sometimes uh, I like to just get in the car and drive. With no destination in mind, just, just go through the streets and just go on an adventure, you know, just explore 
places. And I just get in the car when I have lots of time, when I don't have to be anywhere, I get in the car and I'll just drive. And I end up getting lost. I end up in dead ends. I end up just going throughout life, but, but going throughout the roads. But, you know, we don't do that with our life. No one just gets in. Why would we, why would we just get in life and, and not know where we're going, not know the destination, not know what we're doing, but just drive? And people go through life like this and they end up lost and they end up in dead ends and they end up having to do U-turns and they end up going on this massive journey that they wouldn't have to go on if they just knew what the vision was for their life. And so, you know, we need to live like we have a purpose. We need to live for a purpose. I want my life to count for something. I want my life to mean something. You know, Proverbs 29:18. it says, Where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. When people don't have prophetic vision in their life, they cast off restraint. Another translation says, they go wild. They run wild. It's like you go here, there, no, no like direction, no aim. You just walk through life aimlessly. People go with the latest trend when there's no prophetic vision. People go with the latest fashion, with the latest cause, because we're looking for something. We're looking for something to make us happy. They go with whatever satisfies them, often at the cost of others. And so it's like it's all about trying to fill this void, make me happy, find satisfaction. And no wonder so many people in our worlds don't know you know, what their purpose is. They, they look for purpose in work and experience and happiness and, and, and money and sex, and they look for their purpose in all these different things, trying to find fulfillment. But little did they know that God's actually created them for a purpose, that nothing else that they do with their lives can satisfy them in the same way as God's purpose for them. And so God has a prophetic vision over your life. He has a word over your life. He knew what he was doing when he created you. Um, and the word prophetic means directly from God. So when we're talking about prophetic vision, you know, it's one thing to have a vision, but you could have a vision that's not of God and you could still run wild looking for happiness. But prophetic vision is from God. It's a vision that comes from the creator, the guy who created you himself. That's what prophetic vision means. And so, you know, there's no vi- when there's no vision, you will satisfy uh, there's no vision that will satisfy you other than God's. You know, God has a dream for your life. He has chosen you. He's gifted you. He's gifted you to walk into his vision. And so what is our vision? Well, Jesus gathered his disciples while he was on earth. The first thing is he, he gathered them. He got them to follow him. So we know that first, it's about salvation. First, it's about deciding to follow Jesus. So salvation is free. The Bible says that all you need to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And so that's salvation. That's what salvation costs. But after salvation, God invites us to devotion. The, the, the technical word for it is sanctification, to follow him. And this is what God, uh, this is what Jesus, at the end of his ministry, after he gathered his disciples, said to them, he said, I have been given all authority on heaven and earth. He's like, there is no higher authority than this. You can't go get a better answer from anyone else. I have the authority, and this is the only thing that will, in the whole universe that, will find, that you'll find satisfaction from. He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
With all authority in the, in the universe, Jesus spoke to his disciples, which we are today. We're his followers. Jesus spoke to you and he said, there's no higher authority in your life. And this is the ultimate instruction that you would go and make disciples of all nations, all cities, all suburbs, all families, all friendship groups, that you would go into where you've been placed on purpose, with a purpose. I'm going to go make disciples. I'm going to go see the lost saved. And so the vision is that we would go and help others to know God. This is why you were created. Every single one of us were created for this purpose. This is the reason that you have breath in your lungs right now to help other people know God. And it's so crazy. Like 10 days after Jesus spoke these words is when the Holy Spirit poured out. 10 days after Jesus spoke these words to the disciple, that he gave them the power, the Holy Spirit, to go do it. And when the Holy Spirit met their devotion, 3,000 people were saved. More people devoted themselves. You know, this is what real devotion looks like. The, the, the chapter in Acts literally says it. And this is a vision for your life. This is what devotion looks like. So if you want to know what it should look like on your life, this is the level of devotion God is inviting us into. This says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So a deep sense of awe and wonder came over all of them. Uh, and they, the apostles performed many signs and wonders, and they all believed and met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, uh, shared their money with those in needs. They worshipped together at the temple every day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared in meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their number. This is what happens when we're devoted to seeing people saved. Come on, when we as a church are devoted to God's purpose on our lives, we live in awe of God. Come on, we, we see miracles just follow us around. We, we trust God above anything else. Come on, we're wildly generous as a people. We have a great community around us. We're filled with joy and praise and admiration for God. And as a result, people will be added to God. People will know God daily. We'll leave behind a trail of new believers. This is God's vision for your life. This is what God spoke out over your life. Come on, let's decide tonight. I am devoted to God's vision on my life. There is nothing like it. Nothing will satisfy it. Nothing will fill me. Nothing will, will quench the thirst, the void in my heart other than walking in God's purpose for my life. You know, this isn't just for the pastors or the leaders, but it's for everyone that we would go into our world and make disciples. So let's decide right now. I'm devoted to God's vision. Let's make that decision in our hearts. I'm devoted to God's vision for my life. Come on, that's the main thing. That's, that's what we need to get after as a church. And, and it's not like this is about our salvation. You can still have an awesome relationship with God without looking that crazy. But God's inviting you to experience life in a whole new light. Like it's, He's like, it gets better. It gets, don't stop here. It gets better. Keep going. Like it, it gets better. And that's what God is inviting us into as a church. And I'm just excited for this series because I, I really feel like we're in a season, we're in a year of devotion. You know, devotion isn't just a series we're doing now. It's a word we have over the year. It's what we believe over the year. And so, you know, I'm believing that as we are devoted, as we all walk in unity, devoted to each other, devoted inwardly and devoted to his vision, that we'll leave behind a trail of, of new Christians, of new believers. So, is that good? 
How are you going? Hey, three things, three things that are going to help you to be devoted to God. Three things that are going to help you to live this out. And they're also three things that the enemy tries to throw in your way, to throw you off course, just to pull you off a little bit. So are you ready? ready. If you're taking notes, the message is devoted to the vision. And point number one is refuse to be distracted. You know, one of the greatest ploys that the devil um, gets us off track with is just distraction. It's just noise, you know. Jesus warned his disciples about the, the different types of people um, that they'll come across. In Matthew 13, uh, 22, it says, the seed, fell among, uh, the seed that fell, fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. You know, Jesus spoke to the disciples and said, you're going to come across these people. You're going to come across people that are, that are unable to not be distracted by these things. The worries of life and the lure of wealth. And as a, re- as a result, there will be no fruit. And so we as, as Christians, as people that follow God, that want to be devoted, we need to be aware that the enemy is going to try and use this tactic to just pull us off course, just to take our attention over here for a bit. And so I want to break them down. The first one is the worries of life. You know, there will always be things to worry about. There will always be things that are reasons not to go all in for God. You know, nothing ever lines up perfectly, right? Um, We can believe, uh, what we can do is we can believe that we need to wait until everything's settled. We need to wait until the, the border's just right. Then we can step in. Then we can follow God. And, and the problem with that is it never actually happens. Yeah. The worries of life are always going to be there. They're always going to be around us. And so if we wait for our lives to be perfect, we'll never actually make the step to be in devotion with God. The worries of life will always be there, but our job is just to focus on God. So worries weigh us down and they distract us. And what can happen when we're following God and we want to be devoted and there's worries of life and we can give our attention to the worries. We can react to the worries, to the emergency, the crisis that's over here instead of actually walking in purpose with God. Um, And so be aware of how the worries of life will come and distract you from your purpose. You know, there's always going to be things that come up. There's always going to be emergencies. There's always going to be other reasons to step back, to to play it safe. But decide that, no, I'm going to be devoted. I'm going to trust God in those worries. I'm going to trust God when I don't have the answers, when I don't have the solutions. I'm not going to respond and step out of what God is doing in my life because following him is my priority. Following him is my priority. The other lure is the lure of wealth. Now, wealth is deceptive. It lures us away from what matters the most. You know, wealth promises fulfillment but can't deliver it. Uh, The purpose of our life isn't just to gather wealth or to seek employment or to, to find pleasure or to find comfort. The purpose of our life isn't to gather in. The purpose of our life is to walk with God. And often we think, oh yeah, like I'll get wealth first. I'll just make sure I'm financially secure. You know, I've got to make sure that I have have the house, have everything, fulfillment, and then God. And then I'll be free to just following God. But that's deceptive. That's not true. God, you know, God wants me to enjoy life and have the good life. Um, But it's not based around wealth. 
God cares more about your fruitfulness than your comfort. God cares more about his blessing and his favor and his glory being shown through you than your comfort. You know, the purpose of the church isn't just for comfort. Now, this is, this is nice. Like, we do well. <laughs> this is an awesome church. We have a nice coffee and, and, and good worship and everything sounds good and it's neat and I got welcomed. And church is good. But the purpose of church isn't comfort. The purpose of church is to walk in God's vision for our life. And so, you know, if, we be, if, if um, the purpose of church is not comfort and prosperity, and if we believe this, then we will uh, be walking away. We'll be stepping out of the heart of God over our life. So the purpose of the church is to continue what Jesus started, to reach the world with the gospel, make disciples, save souls, and make disciples. And distractions can lure us away. Distractions can take our focus, take our attention. One of the greatest tools the enemy has is distractions. He takes so many people out. And he doesn't need to take you out of church. He just needs to take your focus out of church. He just needs to take your heart out of church, your vision out of church. You know, don't let distractions undermine what God has placed on your life, the reason he gave you breath, the reason he created you. You know, the Bible says it so clearly in 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 7. It says, True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. You want to be wealthy? It's not going to come from money. It's going to come from true contentment, true godliness. After all, we brought nothing um, with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Now, we're all adequately clothed. We all have enough food. Let us be content. But people who long for riches fall into temptation and are trapped by foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root, is the root, is the origin point of all types of evil, of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from true faith and pierced themselves with so many sorrows. You know, it's not money that's the issue. It's the love of money that's the issue. It's when you love it more than you love God. It's when you follow it more than you follow God. It's when you're devoted to money more than you're devoted to his vision on your life. That will pierce you with so many sorrows. Maybe you know it. Maybe you felt it. Maybe something's just lighting up right now. Like, wow, I've been chasing this when I should have been walking in this. You know, money is necessary. Money is necessary. But we need to love and trust God more than we love and trust money. And Jesus says it so clearly in Matthew 6.31. He says, Don't worry about these things, saying, What will I eat and what will I drink? What will I wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So it comes down to what we put first. It comes down to what we decide to follow first. There's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with having money. But, it, but often the devil will use the good things, the blessings, the abundant provision to distract us from God's best, to distract us from the, the, the purpose God's put us in our life. The devil may not get us to lose our salvation. He might not wipe us out completely. But if he can get us to act like the unbelievers who worry about money all the time and not trust in God and allow ourselves to be distracted, then we will be unfruitful and we will actually do nothing for the kingdom of God. Yeah. 
will do nothing for the vision God's placed on your life. And so let's be aware of the lure of money. You know, Peter said to Jesus, you know, we've given up everything to follow you. And what will we get? So funny, hey? And Jesus replied, everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are, who are the greatest now will be the least important then. Many who are the richest now will be the poorest then. And those who seem the least important now will be the greatest then. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't prioritize your own wealth. Don't prioritize your own vision for a good life. He's saying, prioritize my vision, reach the lost, follow me, be obedient, and you will receive way more than you gave up. You know, God is no man's debtor. And when we follow him, when we pursue him above all else, you know, we don't lose out. And so the early church refused to get distracted. And the way they did this was through wild, just crazy generosity. They literally sold houses to free up some cash to help someone who needed some, some extra help. You know, they, the, the, uh, in Acts 2, 44, it says, and all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. There was nothing that was off limits. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. You know, they refused to get distracted by the false security of wealth. You know, I need security and wealth. I need to be financially secure. They refused to get distracted by that and they trusted God more than they trusted the digits on their bank account. You know, we're not saying that you need to sell everything. We're not saying that you need to give, you know, your house deposit to someone. Um, unless God's calling you to do that, then do that. But we're not saying that that's the measurement. We're just saying don't be distracted by gathering, by wealth, but be released. Be released in God's vision and you will see abundant provision. You will see him return all those things, even greater to you. So no matter what it is, we need to refuse to be distracted because we don't know, we don't want to be, sorry, we don't want to be unfruitful. We want to be fruitful. We want to see God's favor and his blessing poured out in our lives. So number two, number two is to refuse to be divided. Refuse to be divided. You know, another really deadly weapon the enemy has to try and take people out of their purpose is to cause division, is to be a part of division. Spiritual warfare, when, when there's spiritual warfare going on, the prim- it's primarily outworked through relationships. It primarily affects the people you're around. And so, you know, the devil will use all kinds of tactics to separate you from the pack. You know, when you might begin to walk in your purpose um, with God, your relationships, your friendships get harder. Your devotion to the church gets harder. You know, maybe it's crisis in your family. You know, maybe it's friends acting different now that you're a Christian. You know, maybe it's you've even caught yourself being offended or hurt by other people in the church or maybe even the church itself. And we can be so easily taken out by this type of division. You know, planting little seeds of offense, planting little seeds of, you know, it's their fault, it's their bad. And, and that pulls us out of our purpose with God. So we need to have our guard up when it comes to offense or difference in the church, in community. When we find ourselves getting offended, short-tempered, angry quickly, or even blaming the organization, it's like we need to have our guards up because the enemy will come and plant seeds like that in your life. 
We need to have our guard up. Because the devil will sap our effectiveness and it will sap the effectiveness of the church by division, by rifts. But in the early church, they refused to be divided. It says all the believers were united in heart and in mind. It's like we are united, we are together no matter what. They didn't just tolerate each other, they were united in heart and mind. They were completely sold out to the vision. There was one vision and they stuck to it. There was one vision for that church and they stuck to it. They were devoted, they were glued to it. And as a church, we will never compromise on the mission of the church. Go see people saved. We want to give people the chance to just encounter God. It's the best thing ever. We want to share it. So we'll never compromise on that. But we will probably change the way we do it. We will probably change the systems and the methods and the style and whatever we can do to be the most effective. We will change the way that we set up the auditorium if it means we can be more effective. And so things will change. You might prefer different doctrine or this over there or have this little belief, but actually what we're called to do is be united in heart and in mind. When we're there, then we're effective. And so music styles will change, styles of preaching will change, you know, the style of of what we do, brands, all of this, systems, discipleship, multiply, it'll all change. But the mission will stay the same and our goal is to stay united on the journey, to stay united in heart and mind. What really matters is not any of those little tiny details, but it's the fruit, the fruit that we see people saved, that we see people discipled, and that's what we measure as a church. That's what we're measuring. So in this church, we are seeing people saved and we're seeing people discipled. Jesus said, judge a tree by its fruit. The fruit is not the production, it's not the lights, It's not the systems and the structures and the small groups, but the fruit is people's lives, the fruit of the Spirit in people's lives. The best church, the best thing you can do with your own life is to completely align yourself to the vision of the church. Let me say that again. I want to say this because the best thing you can do in your life is to completely align your life to the vision of your local church. Now, it doesn't have to be oceans. Like, if your home is a different church, align yourself to that church. But whatever you do, completely align yourself to the church. The church, not, the, not just an organization, but we are a body. We are all the church. We are Ocean's Church. And let's unite ourselves to each other in heart and in mind. Let's unite ourselves to each other. You know, if you want a fruitful life, if you want to see Jesus continue to do what he started through the church by the power of the Holy Spirit, then don't allow the vision to come in. But lay down your life, lay down your preferences, lay down your own vision for the vision of what we're doing together. That's how we see fruitfulness. To the degree that you align yourself with the vision of the local church is to the degree that God is fulfilling the purpose on your life. You will have fruit to show for in eternity when you align yourself with the local church. The church is and always will be Jesus' priority. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so let's make a decision. I'm going to be aware. I'm going to refuse to be divided. I'm going to refuse to let offense sit in my heart. Those little seeds that just grow up a weed in my heart. I'm going to refuse to let that happen. I'm going to be united. You know, real mature relationships, friendships happen when we forgive each other when we look past those things, those opportunities. I'm going to give you thousands of opportunities to be offended by me. (laughs) But maturity, maturity, we get to another level in relationship, in friendship, when we look past that, when we forgive that. 
but with each other, there's going to be thousands of opportunities. We get to another level when we can work through that. So, so, so the division isn't just there to take you out. God's using that to make you stronger, make us stronger together. So let's be strong. Let's be united. Let's walk together. So let's refuse to be divided. Are we still here? Come on. Hey, we'll get the worship team up and we'll go into our final point. The last one is to refuse to be intimidated. Another distraction the devil uses is intimidation. Now, sometimes he doesn't even need to take you out. He just needs to get you scared. He just needs to get fear into your heart. You know, he just needs to scare you. But, you know, we can be intimidated into silence. We can be intimidated into walking away from our vision, walking away from God's vision in our life. And to walk in purpose, we need to be bold and not intimidated. So Peter, who's a disciple in the book of Acts, he heals a crippled beggar, preaches to people as a result. The church grew again by another three to 5,000. And opposition came, came. They threatened him. They put him in jail overnight. They literally put him in jail for preaching. And increased opposition happened. And what the, devil, the enemy was trying to do was silence him, just to intimidate him. And they put him in jail. And this is what it says in Acts 4.23. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told, them, told uh, the, leader, leaders, sorry, the leading priests and elders, uh, sorry, and told them, told the leading priests and elders had said, that doesn't make sense, but that's all right. All the believers, so all the believers heard this. Um, Peter and Peter and John told them what was happening. And they got together and they, be, they began to meet. They're like, all right, what do we do? What do we do? Like, this is scary now. It's actually costing something. So all the believers got together, like a church, like this. Thousands of them got together and they're like, all right, what do we do? Well, uh, they gathered together and they weren't intimidated. You know, instead of living for a safe life, instead of going the easy way, instead of praying that it would just become easier, God, would you just make it easier? Would you stop the... Oppression, I feel so oppressed. Would you make it easier? Instead of praying that, this is their prayer. Let me read it out to you. Oh Lord, hear these threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through your through the name of the Holy Servant Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the Word of God with great boldness. Hey, so there was intimidation. There was intimidation. They had reasons to be scared. Someone was literally going to prison for what was happening. And they got together and they prayed. Not that it would be easier. Not that we wouldn't have to pay the price. But would you give us boldness when this happens? Would we continue on? We're not going to be intimidated. So Holy Spirit, fill us with the strength that we need to walk out your purpose on our lives. Come on, let's be like that as a church. Let's not be intimidated, but emboldened. When the adversity comes, let's go harder. No, when when the distractions come, let's go harder. When all these reasons come to stop, to step away, let's say I'm stepping even further in to what God's got in my life. Let's just have that attitude. I can't wait to see what God does to get me out of this, to get me out of this jail, to get me out of this prison. I can't wait to see the miracle that's going to happen. They were filled with, 
with, uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the Word of God with great boldness. No boldness comes into your life when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And next week, we're going to have an awesome moment. It's the last week of devoting. And we are going to give you the opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to be praying for, for baptism of the Spirit. We're going to be praying for tongues. We're going to be praying for breakthrough. We're going to be praying for God's favour, His power, His strength, His boldness on your life. So don't miss next week. In fact, if anything, double yourself next week. Bring someone and get them in the room because it's going to be awesome. You know, like what the believers did back in those days and they had adversity and they prayed for boldness and the Holy Spirit shook the ground and it filled them and they were emboldened. Come on, let's believe that's going to happen next week. Let's believe that's what God is setting us up for as a church. Let's not be intimidated, but let's walk boldly into our purpose. Let's see more people saved this year. Let's see disciples made this year. And it all starts to us devoting ourselves to the vision, not getting distracted, not getting divided, not being intimidated, but focusing, devoting ourselves to the vision. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.